When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house, or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant, he who is born in your house, and he who is bought with your money, must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said in his heart, <laughs> Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. Welcome to Jesus and Genesis, our chapter-by-chapter -chapter journey through this amazing book. It's the foundation of our faith. It's my understanding, if poll takers are correct, that biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high with church-going Americans. And I say, not on my watch, at least not at Generations. We are going to learn 
the Word. It's great to be encouraged with the Word. And so the gospel, we see it all through this amazing book, and Jesus is in here in pictures, in prophecies, this covenant that God initiates with a man named Abram, now it's going to be named Abraham in our text. He is promised a seed that would bless the nations of the world. Who has been blessed by that seed? Jesus, King of the Jews, King of kings and Lord of lords. Today we're going to talk about the signs of a covenant. We have a covenant with God. What are the signs of a covenant? We had a wedding here last weekend, and there were some signs of a covenant in that wedding. And now the couple, they're on their way back from their honeymoon, now to live the life. It's great to have a covenant, but then you live it out, amen? And so here God is initiating some more steps in this covenant. It was a blood covenant that he made with Abram a chapter or two ago, and now he's reminding him of the things he's promised and giving the terms of the covenant. When a couple makes a covenant, they have terms for better or worse, for richer or poor, sickness and in health. I'll lay lay down my life for you from this day forward till death shall we part. And so here we see in verse 1 that Abram was 99 years. Who has their Bibles today? Or turn them, turn them on. Look at the last verse of the previous chapter. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And then the next verse, there's a gap there, 13 years. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him. So when God gives you a word, you can stand on it. So 13 years of being tested without any recorded visitation from God He's just supposed to believe. God uses time for his purposes. We live in an instantaneous world, microwave mentality. It's that mother of invention, necessity. We want to hurry things up, don't we? Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. There's an Adam Sandler movie called uh, Remote Control, is it? Or what's it called? Where he wants to fast forward through the boring parts of his life. Click. Click. Great message in that film, not that I recommend every single scene in it, but the message of wanting to hurry through life. Hurry up and get these kids grown. Hurry up and get this baby weaned. Hurry up and get this child potty trained. Hurry up and get get out of high school. Hurry up and get off to college. Hurry up and start a career. Hurry, and you're not living in the light of God's grace and his calling that he has for you because you won't slow down. God uses time for his purposes. It brings maturity to children. It ripens fruit. Who's had an apple that's ripened on the tree? No comparison to these green things we buy in the supermarket. Bananas are awesome when they're allowed to ripen before harvest. And so it is in life with the Lord, he uses time. The older this guitar gets, the better it's going to sound. So if you got a cheap guitar, don't throw it away. That's not a cheap one. Don't throw it away. In time, it can improve with age. All right, back to the sermon. When Abram was 99 years old, that's 13 years later, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. So the word, where you see the word Lord in capitals, that's, that's his Hebrew name. 
that the Hebrews refrain from pronouncing because they don't want to take it in vain. It's either Yehovah or Yahweh. So Yahweh or Yehovah appears to Abram and says, I am Almighty God. The Hebrew word there for Almighty God is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Erekam Kana Adonai. Amy Grant's hit that made her really famous. El Shaddai means Almighty or All-Sufficient One, the God who is more than enough. The word Shaddai can refer to a mountain or a breast, something from which life comes. God is almighty. He is the all-sufficient one. Walk before me and be blameless. We'll return to that later. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Can we say many nations? No longer shall your name be called Abram, which means exalted father or high father, but your name shall be called Abraham or Abraham, which means father of a multitude or father of many. For I have made you a father of many nations. So Abraham means father of many, but God in giving him that name says, I'm making you or I have made you a father. You shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Now keep this in mind. Later on in the chapter, he's going to tell Sarah that he has made her a mother of nations. Abram, the father of many nations, and Ishmael, the father of a great nation. So father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, for I've made you the father of nation, many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. If you underline the words I will in this chapter, there'd be a whole bunch of them. So in making a covenant, there are promises or terms of the covenant, like a contract. A contract has terms, right? A will has terms. A covenant has promises. I pledge to do this. And so here God is pledging a lot to this man. He says, I will make my covenant between me and you. I will multiply you exceedingly. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. I will establish my covenant between you and your descendants after you. I will give to you and your descendants the land, and I will be your descendants' God. Now, does that look like God is making a covenant with a loser? To live in defeat, unbelief, Doubt and fear? 
No doubt Abraham has struggled with those things, as we've seen and shall see, but God is cheering him on. No, I, I don't see it that way. These are the things I'm going to do. I, have, I am making a covenant with you, and this is what I'm going to do for you, with you, through you, to you, and to your descendants. His blessing, God's blessing, goes to a thousand generations, and that's not even the age of the earth. So his blessings are continuing. Yes, but isn't iniquity passed down to the third and fourth generation? Yeah, that's what the Bible says, but that's third and fourth generation. Compare that to a thousand generations, right? And I don't think it's a literal thousand. I think it means a lot. Because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, doesn't he? Well, who owns the cattle on hill number 1001? 1002. You get the point. All right, so he's given the terms of the covenant. Then verse 9, God said to Abraham, as for you, now here's his instructions to this guy. This is not good news. <laughs> as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you through their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. Can you say, ouch? And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. All right, let's come back to that. Verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Sarah means princess. It's a royalty. She's going to be the mother of kings. Sarah shall be her name, Sarah, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. And I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, king of people, kings of people shall be from her. That was fulfilled one generation from Isaac. He married Rebekah. They had twins. And while pregnant, the Lord told her that two nations were in her womb. The Israelites, we see through the biblical history, and the Edomites, the descendants of Esau. So she's the mother of nations. When the Israelite kingdom split in two, it became two nations, and then beyond that, she's the mother of nations. Whereas Abram is the father of many nations. He already had a son through Hagar, Ishmael, and from him are going to come 12 princes. And then when Sarah dies, he remarries a young woman named Keturah, and they have six kids. Can you say fruitful? <laughs> and all six of those kids become nations. God fulfills his promises. And Abram is our father. The word for nation is the word goy, which means Gentile. <laughs> this is how we can be grafted in. The father of nations, the father of faith, led by example, trusting in God, bears the descendants through Isaac that bring the Messiah into the world, our Lord Jesus Christ, and through faith in him, we get born again, grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel because of this man named Abraham. Read Romans chapter 4 sometime. It is a masterpiece. It's awesome. I would do it, but then I would get lost there. Kings of people shall be from her. Verse 17, Abram 
fell on his face and laughed. (laughs) The next chapter, verse 12, Sarah also laughs. And he says in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? He's about to be 100. If she got pregnant then, he would be 100 by the time the child was born. And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? I mean, things have died. (laughs) Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Have you ever wanted your man-made plans, your good ideas to become God ideas? So we don't have to trust you anymore, Lord. So my, my faith doesn't have to be tested anymore. Could you just take my feeble efforts and use them for your glory and back off of these great things you've called me to do that are absolutely impossible? Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, no. Sarah, your wife, shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And guess what Isaac means? Laughter. In their old age, they're going to have pleasure and joy. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. There's a thing in the church world that some have labeled replacement theology. Don't you believe it for a minute? God has made promises to this guy. And for the church to completely replace his natural descendants means God's promise didn't come true. This is an everlasting promise. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you, which is awesome. Ishmael means God hears. I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac. That's the one through whom the Messiah is going to come. Whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Then he finished talking with him and God went up. Can you say up? Up from Abraham. So in the making of a covenant, there are covenant promises. We have this. And he promises Abram that these are things he's going to do. You'll be a father of many nations. You'll no longer be called Abram, but Abraham. No longer exalted father, but the father of a multitude. You will keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you. You will be circumcised. Ooh. You will not call your wife Sarai, but Sarah. And you will call this son I'm going to give you Isaac or laughter. And he's going to make promises to Isaac. Isaac, I'm going to establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with him and his descendants after him. For Ishmael, I will make him fruitful and multiply him and make him a great nation. For Sarai, now Sarah, I will bless her and bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. And I'm going to change her name to Sarah. Let's talk about this name change. This is the name of Abram in Hebrew. The Hebrew scholars in the room, I apologize to you if I mess up. But Abram means high father or exalted father. It's Abraham's original name. Abraham 
is father of a multitude. It's Abram's new name. Reading from right to left, you'll notice the name Abram has four Hebrew letters, and Abraham has five Hebrew letters. So from the right, move four letters, there's the change. Inserted this letter, which is part of Yahweh or Yehovah's name. Here's Sarai, uh, Abram's wife. It's Sarah's first name. And then here's the new name. If you notice that same letter, last, replacing the, the Yad in Sarai, is Sarah. means princess. She's going to be the mother of royalty. Now here is God's name, Yehovah. Notice it's going from right to left. It's Yad. Hey, Vav, hey. Hey is, we would say, an H sound. Uh, it kind of looks like an H a little bit without the top letter there, but the second from the right and the last letter is hey. It's the letter for breath, the, the Hebrew word for spirit or the Holy Spirit, ruach. Ruach ends with this letter. So this is inserted in Abram's name. So In the making of a covenant, there's a name change. Often, not literally for us that are part of the new covenant, but our identity, your name is your identity, right? So it impacts our identity. Uh, Saul, who persecuted the church, took on a new name, Paul. Uh, Jacob, wrestling with the angel all night long, is given a new name, Israel. Abram is given a new name. Abraham. Sarai is given a new name. Sarah. Here at the church last weekend, Amber Copeland married Joseph Pilgrim. Now she is Amber Pilgrim, or she is Mrs. Joseph Pilgrim. Why is it always the woman that has to change? No, the man changed too. Joseph is now Amber's husband. New identity, right? Before that, he was her fiance. Before that, he was her boyfriend. Before that, he was her friend. Before that, he was a stranger. So Abram becomes Abraham. Sarah becomes Sarai becomes Sarah. God becomes the God of Abraham. And his name is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He claims Jacob in his rebellious state. We should say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You know, when God made a major shift in his life. But he chose him. How many is glad that God chooses us when we're imperfect? He chooses this man, Abram, to show. Probably if we looked at all the pedigrees of the men in the world, this might be the last guy we would choose. You know, he's going to sell out his wife to Pharaoh. He's going to this, he's going to that. But this is God initiating a covenant with a man and changing his name. Now, covenants also have symbols. The couple that got married here last week have symbols, rings. They exchange rings to remember the covenant they made when they see the ring on their hand. 
For the first 12 years of marriage, I confess I did not have a wedding ring, and I did not understand how much it bothered my wife. (laughs) But I was raised in a denomination that preached modesty in all things, and so you couldn't wear jewelry. But you could have a fine suit where you look like a peacock, but God forbid that you have on a wedding ring. One day I woke up and said, this is dumb. So I went down to Monkey Wards. Who remembers Montgomery Wards? And bought a ring, and I've had it repaired once. Dave's Jewelry has repaired it. I've had this ring. Been married for 40-some years, but had a ring for almost 30 years. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Symbol of the covenant. Not that I needed a symbol to remind me, but my wife wanted people to know that I was in covenant in crowds. But I never got hit on anyway, so. All right. Now, here's the part we skipped over. Verse 9, the covenant sign. God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Can you say he's serious? Why? Would God do this? Why such a strange sign of a covenant? Well, if you Google the benefits of circumcision, you can see there's some hygienic purposes. There's actually a reduction in cancer opportunities, uh, other things. I don't want to get into that, but don't Google it now. But, you know, just, just research. There's benefits. There's benefits to it. Also, it's permanent. It's like a scar, that never leaves. Once it's done, there's no reversing it. It's, it's just done. Anyway, in Abram's obedience, I think that's when a miracle took place, and he became father of many nations as God had promised him. So it was painful for him. For a grown man, it can take four weeks to recover. But for an eight-day-old baby, which ironically, the agents in our blood that help the blood to clot, I think it's vitamin K and pro prothrombin are like 10% higher on the eighth day of a male's life than any day before or after. Evidence of biblical inspiration, I think. All right, he continues. So Abram took Ishmael, his son. This is the last paragraph of the chapter. All who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money, everybody, every male among the men of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day as God had said to him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Sorry, I got to read it. It's in the Bible, right? That very day, Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael and all the men of his house, everybody. And then the custom began to be implemented when when a baby was born, Isaac, eight days old. He was circumcised. Can we say this together on the count of three? One, two, three. No, the men ought to be screaming. All right, one, let's do it again. One, two, three. That's better. 
Verse 14 again, and the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So either cut off the foreskin of the male child or that child is cut off out of the covenant. No longer a recipient of the blessings promised to Abram. That's severe, isn't it? But thank God for the new covenant. Who's thankful for the new covenant? <laughs> the new covenant is written in our hearts. It was prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 33. This is a new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And we know this began with the Lord Jesus Christ and is being fulfilled by the Holy Spirit as he fills our lives. So we too have new covenant symbols as believers. We have communion, the Lord's table, the supper of the Lord. He implemented it in the gospels. It's recorded, Luke 22. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget what I'm about to do for you on the cross. He's already been circumcised on the eighth day when he was a child, but now he's about to really be circumcised on the cross, stripped naked and beaten within an inch of his life and hung out to die. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So Jesus Cut covenant for me. Another new covenant symbol of our covenant with God is water baptism. Listen to this. Colossians 2, 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism. So he was cut off from physical life so that we could be cut in. We could be grafted in. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now I have behind me, in phrase form, 18 feet. In font number 18, the 613 laws, I think there's actually more than that. That no one can fulfill all of them. So you have to go to court, you have to make up new rules, you gotta make up fence laws to keep from breaking these things. It creates a scenario where you realize you need God's help. When the Savior came, there were people in the land of Israel that were ready for a Messiah to come and save them. Because this was tough. You're considered unclean so many days out of the month. I mean, just all kinds of tough things. Jesus not only wiped these things out for us as recipients of the new covenant, 
He then nailed that blank sheet to the cross in his body on the tree. Isn't that awesome? Thank God for Jesus having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now look at all this through the concept of circumcision. Circumcision is the cutting away of the flesh, the cutting away of those things that are contrary to the covenant that God is making with us through Christ. So, because of these things, let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. I love the Old Testament, I love the Old Covenant, but it all points to Christ. Do not get lost in the shadows. Find Jesus and run to him, because there's nothing back there for us to live under. So let no one judge you. Let me just say this about Sabbaths. There are people that will condemn us for not having church on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the seventh day. This is not a Sabbath. This is the first day of the week, right? But there's no command to go to church or even a synagogue on the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. Keep a day holy before the Lord. Do you know the synagogue in town? Rachel, who knows Rachel? Rachel Brister's mother teaches Sunday school at the Reformed Synagogue in Fort Worth. They have Sunday school for children on Sunday. Imagine that, doesn't that make your brain go tilt? What are we circumcised from in that text? We're circumcised from sins of the flesh. Through what Christ did on the cross, those things are cut off from us. We're to be free from sin and bondage. Cut off from our spiritual death, made alive with Christ through the circumcision of Christ. Our unforgiven trespasses have been remedied, dealt with, the fine has been paid. We've been circumcised from sin's penalties. The requirements that were against us, we just talked about that. We've been circumcised from that, brought into the new covenant, bondage to spiritual enemies. In our circumcision, he made a public spectacle of principalities and powers triumphing over them in his finished work. And never forget this, we've been circumcised from judgments from religious people. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. You enjoy the freedom with which Christ has made you free, and don't let somebody put you into bondage. Now, the Holy Spirit can convict us of things, That wouldn't be good for us personally, but don't go and put that on other people. The Lord may, you know, inspire you to never go bowling, because if you do, you'll be tempted to gamble and start drinking and getting drunk and other things. So for you, no bowling, but don't make a rule for everybody else. There are churches that do. The pastor has a conviction personally against bowling, so all the members are condemned if they go bowling, right? We have a new covenant where we've written the, we've, we've received the Holy Spirit who writes God's laws in our hearts and leads us. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So we have signs of a covenant with God in communion and in water baptism. Never forget who you are. 
In conclusion, I want to go back to this phrase where God initiates this conversation. At the age of 99, Abram sees God, witnesses God, experiences God, saying this to him, I am almighty God, or El Shaddai, walk before me and be blameless. This is good for all of us. Let's look at it, look at it in some other translations. Um, the CEB Bible says, I am El Shaddai, walk with me and be trustworthy. So the Lord's calling us to communion with him, to fellowship with him, and to begin to have integrity. The complete Jewish Bible says, walk in my presence and be pure-hearted. The basic Bible in English says, go in my ways and be upright in all things. The Christian Standard Bible says, live in my presence and be devout. The God's Word translation says, live in my presence with integrity. The New Century Version says, obey me and do what is right. The Good News Translation says, obey me and always do what is right. And the NIRV says, walk with me and live without any blame. And the NIV says, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And the New Living Translation says, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. In light of what this opening line to this chapter where God says these things to him, where do we stand? Are we drawing near to the Lord? Are we as close to God as he wants us to be or as far from God as we want to be? Have we thrown integrity to the wind? Are we people of our word? Are we promise keepers or promise breakers? Or do we just cash in our religious chips on Sunday morning and live life any old way the rest of the week? Or are we devout till someone makes us mad? Praise team's going to sing, come to the altar. And the altar is open. Your chairs are open. Let's find a place to seek the Lord and say, Lord, where do we stand in light of your truth? Where is my integrity at? Where is my walk? Let's draw near to God. Amen? We need the Lord. Do we not? More than ever. He's given us a covenant so that we can draw near to him and he'll draw near to us. The brother of Jesus wrote that, the book of James. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Well, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Oh, Jesus is calling. No, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
Leave behind your regrets and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Oh, Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Oh, Jesus is calling And oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And no water Savior, and isn't He one? Christ is a reason and bow down before him and for he is Lord of all and sing hallelujah Christ is a reason before Moses gave the law Abram had a covenant with God. Before Abram was ever circumcised, his name was changed to Abraham. He had a covenant with God. Before that ever happened, he was declared to be righteous because he believed God. And so as Gentile believers, we are grafted into the commonwealth of Israel through the faith of Abraham, preceding Moses in the law, were brought in, preceding circumcision but our covenant has symbols and like I was married but wasn't wearing a symbol there are people that believe in Christ they're walking in him they found the free joy of righteousness but they're not wearing the symbol they've never been baptized the scriptures say he that believes and is baptized shall be saved he who does not believe shall be condemned. So if you're a believer and you've not had the joy of obeying the Lord through the covenant sign, our circumcision of being baptized in water, you can do that. Approach me after service and say, I want to do it. We can set it up. Do it next Sunday. It'd be great. Or do it today if you hang out for an hour or so. Anyway, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may you be very much aware of the new identity he's given you. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new.
Amen. God bless you. Go get them, tigers. Walk in the completed work of Jesus. Sing.